0: Scorching Sands I looked back at the city for the last time, my feet covered in the hot midday sand. The prison was an outlier, sticking right out of the city walls, taunting prisoners. I chose to walk out because I refused to be hurt by the ones I loved. And I did it for me. And now I walked alone, in the vast desert fending for myself. The city, as massive as I had known it for years, slowly got smaller smaller and smaller now a speck in this never-ending desert the sun never seemed to budge fixed in the middle of the topaz sky i saw the large birds circling the sky and i began to think how am i as lonely and isolated as these birds yet i do not feel free how can i have a forever expanding open area to myself yet feel so trapped? How is it that I can feel less isolated all alone in a space than I do now? How has everything I've built come down to this? I walked for hours and hours, feeling the heat on my soul. In a moment of pure silence, I got down on my knees, pressing the back of my body onto my feet and dug into the sand. I launched my arms as far in front of me as I can, bowing my head into the heat in this position i begin to breathe cleansing my aura of negativity those deep-rooted sentiments of abandonment loneliness hurt i exhale them into the desert winds focusing on my mindset i raise my head and swing my arms back landing onto my back absorbing sunlight Once I got back onto my feet, I continued walking for many more miles. The sun had dropped a bit, but was still as bright as it had been that morning. My heart was heavy, and my mind was also just as heavy. As I attempted to cope with my feelings, walking all alone, my head filled with broken memories. As I progressed, I saw what seemed like trees on the horizon, continuing there were palm trees. I had stumbled on an oasis. I took a deep breath, approached and was in awe at this touch of beauty in a vast nothingness. I placed myself under the shade of the thickest palm tree and sat down by the water. Chapter three, Oasis. Well, Things have taken an absolutely brutal turn for the worst since we last saw our main character. They have made the choice a lot of a struggle to make. You either cling to unhealthy relationships you know will not do anything but cause you unhappiness or cut off ties. As our character makes this decision to leave the city and walk into the desert, this choice brings with it a lot of hardship. Once we cut ties and wash our hands of negative connections in our lives, we often get sucked into a cycle of isolation and inner turmoil caused by this vacancy, one that takes time and work to heal from. To be honest, no matter how many times it has and will happen to me in my lifetime, I'll never get used to the walk in the sand. The trajectory between hurt and healing is long and often lonely. Luckily for me, I've had people in my life, notably my parents and my therapist, as resources through the desert of isolation. I've had several run-ins with episodes of depression, and each outcome is quite different. The most recent episode is one that's still ongoing, all thanks to the pandemic we're currently living through. If anyone many years from now is listening to this, the beginning of the 2020s was an absolute mess. Because I've been at home Cutting off from any social interaction, I've been coughing up sand for the past few months. Unable to stop choking for good. Something I've discovered a few years ago is that sadness, as much as it is unpleasant, is a fundamental part of the human experience. While it varies from person to person, unhappiness is bound to happen to all of us, which is why there must be some worth to it if it is so enshrined in who we are personally i am someone who believes that what makes the good seem great is that its contrast with the not so great is so stark if you have the proper tools resources and emotional skills moments of sadness can turn into great learning experiences i for one have used my time in the desert to dig through my past and evaluate where my life has taken me since my last check-in I've been able to use some of this time to learn from mistakes, mend my broken bond with my own emotions that I may have suffered, and accept forgiveness from myself. While this sentiment is all great in theory, it really does vary from person to person. For instance, those with severe mental health issues or those with disabilities may not be able to go down this path because it can cause additional hurt. If you are in a moment of sadness that gets so bad to the point of long-term damage, then we're in different territory. Because of our social, political, and economic structures governing our society, many people simply do not have access to the resources I've had to guide them through the desert. I think that the government should play a larger role in making sure that everyone has access to affordable mental health Mm -hmm. services, because oftentimes that is really the key to improving people's lives. I am a huge believer in fixing the discrepancies within our society that allow people's mental health to suffer due to lack of resources, but I am also a believer in giving people tools to do what they can until access is given to these services. What I've learned in this rugged desert is it's often really hard to get out of it. Depression is something that affects millions of people and in a variety of different ways. For me, it hasn't been something I've been able to defeat like a monster in a cartoon through which I'd get the skills to defeat it again when it returned. The way I've been affected by depression is that I've visualized it as a dark cloud over my head. When I'm in control of my emotions, able to put dark thoughts of trauma behind me, the cloud stays white and fluffy. When I lose control and give in to negative thoughts, the cloud goes gray and rain begins to fall. Depression is something that I know cannot be eliminated from my life, but it's something I have learned to manage. I can't get rid of sadness once and for all, but rather I need to find those moments of joy, cherishing them and spreading them. In a field of weeds, once you find a few flowers that make you happy, you can replant them in your own garden. Of course weeds will eventually make their way back in, but you've learned how to tend to your garden, plucking out negativity, and learning from that process every time. One of the greatest life skills someone can develop is seeing the good in things, even when times are tough. It won't make the bad go away, but it'll help you manage the unhappiness better. This process doesn't come out of anywhere. I've known very few people who've been able to apply techniques to help their emotional state without the proper tools and guides. To cope with this process, Coping mechanisms are something that vary greatly from person to person. What may work for me may not work for others. For me, some mechanisms, beside therapy, have been the most helpful all-surround art. Whether it's going to museums and exhibitions, finding artists online, painting and drawing, listening or making music, art is such a powerful tool. If it hasn't been made clear yet, Writing is my favorite kind of art to make. It soothes me and allows me to get my feelings out in the best of my ability. My favorite methods of consuming art as a coping mechanism are music and the spoken word. While these work for me, others often don't get into all this artsy stuff like some of us do. Some people turn to harsher methods like drinking, drugs, smoking, and other kinds of substance abuse. Once again, these kinds of coping mechanisms are often symptoms of larger systemic issues, which is why I think it's so important for the government to help those who seek it but are in too deep. Coping varies from person to person, but it is a core part of the healing process. Now, let's see how our protagonist is doing in their oasis. Fresh water. As the day turned to evening and the sun turned the sky a blazing pink, I got up from under the palm tree where I had been napping. I stood up, reaching my arms to the sky, and stretched to the fullest, admiring the beauty of my now comfortable isolation. I collected some fallen branches and sticks, along with dried palm shreddings, and made myself a little campfire. I clung to stones until sparks lit the kindling because the sun was lowering I felt the winds get chillier so I reached my hands out into the fire blessing my palms with the gentle heat of the flame taking the longest and heaviest stick I could find I took a large rock and began sharpening it into a spear pressing my hands into the sand I stood up grabbing my spear and heading to the water a few seconds later, I had bent down and felt the coolness of the water with my hand. I got on my knees close to the bank, looked into the water, and saw a few fish. Quickly grasping my spear, I lunged it into the water, but I missed. The spear thrashed into the water, but never hit anything. Instead, my arm plunged into the water up to my shoulder unintentionally. I put the spear away as the sun went from pink to a deeper purple. The winds started picking up, but I needed answers. I couldn't see the bottom of the lake, but I saw something glimmering inside. At that moment, I took a deep breath and submerged my body into the deep lake. Opening my eyes underwater, I saw that the shining was a rich gemstone And it was covering the entire interior of this incredibly deep water. I grasped onto large chunks of the gemstone, lowering myself deeper, as deep as I could get, until I felt a sudden emptiness in the pattern. Gripping my way through the stream of water, I climbed into the hole I found under the lake. Still covered in gemstones, I pushed upstream into this secret space. Once I could feel my footing, I sprung up and could breathe again. What I opened my eyes to was astonishing.